0: Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed so you don't have to download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of all the hard things where we get into the nitty gritty of all things OCD, anxiety and recovery related. If you're new here, my name is Jenna, and I cannot wait to give you all the tips, guidance, and strategies that you need to really get this thing under control for good with or without a therapist. So in today's episode, I really wanted to focus on something that's a little bit more niche. I know that a lot of my content has been focused uh, primarily on how to actually get recovery and the what to do and what not to do and the more treatment-related stuff. And I really wanted to just normalize something that I think so many people struggle with, which is struggling with OCD in the workplace. I, I, so many people out there struggle with OCD and obviously the world has to keep spinning. And dealing with things like stigma and sharing your OCD and secret ritualizing, I just wanted to shed some light on some of that stuff. So we're gonna start first with just a basic kind of introduction. I have actually struggled with this before. So believe it or not, we're then going to talk about stigma we're going to talk a little bit about to share or not to share. I get this question so many times about how to share or should I share my OCD or my difficulties with others. We'll talk about that. I want to give you some really good tips about how to manage your urges to ritualize. We're also going to talk a little bit about accommodations and rights, how to navigate work relationships, finding support, and then some final tips for all of you. So Starting first, bringing it back to when I was really struggling with postpartum OCD. So I had always worked with people who have OCD and anxiety. Since 2008, it's been everything that I've ever wanted to do. But I really started getting some intense training and and the bulk of my years were spent working in a residential OCD and anxiety treatment facility. And so it's unique and it's important to note that it was residential because these were the most debilitating cases of OCD and anxiety in the world. And the specialization that I got there and the training and the in-depth just learning and understanding of OCD, I was so trusted as one of the best and most well-renowned professionals having been able to work with that population. And although i had always struggled with anxiety, and even in hindsight, looking back throughout my childhood, of course, the signs were there. It never became super obvious that I had OCD and I never got a diagnosis until after I had my son back in 2018. So I had my son, 2018, I started to struggle so significantly with harm-intrusive thoughts, sexual-intrusive thoughts, so many different things. Um, and I go into my story in depth in a lot of other episodes. I also share just specifically about my story and how everything transpired on the OCD Stories podcast with Stuart Rolf. So if you want to learn more about my story and just the nuances of it, definitely check out that episode. But by the time that I was done with my maternity leave, it got so bad that I was trying to consider how can I get myself into the facility that I'm supposed to be going back to, to work. But I wanted to go as like a resident. I was having a hard time driving. I felt like I was obsessing and doing mental compulsions all day. And I remember, even though I'm not a super religious person, I remember like bargaining with God I will never give anybody with OCD or anxiety any crap ever again for not wanting to do a, for not wanting to resist a ritual. If you can just take this from me, like I was so desperate, I just wanted to have my brain back. Like I just wanted it to be over. And so when it came down to the wire, and I was like, okay, I have to go back to work. Like I cannot possibly go to this facility as a client, as a resident. I I work there. Like I work there full time. There were professional issues. There were obviously like emotional and and mental difficulties that I had to wrap my head around that. It was just such a mess. But so I ended up having to go back to work at the end of my maternity leave, and I was still struggling really significantly. I did fast forward to about a year. Despite a year or or several months of me struggling, I uh, did eventually just go to an outpatient therapist, and that was really helpful. That I was definitely struggling in the workplace for quite a long time, for several months at the very least. So it was difficult to continue to go to work and the, ri- the rituals, the urges, it all came up and there were certain things that in hindsight I didn't see as being a big problem, but absolutely were a big problem. I had always really struggled with the concept of time and feeling like I had to capture every single solitary moment of Eli. And So much so that I, when he would be, I would be rocking him to sleep. I had to be looking at him constantly. I had to be listening to him constantly. I couldn't have any other like lullabies or music. I had to be like zoned in 100% to get as much as possible out of this experience as necessary because my OCD would say, if you miss any of this, you're going to be 85 years old on your deathbed and you're going to look back and regret all that time that you didn't savor the moment or whatever and it was awful so if me not being able to look away from my son like if me looking away from my son while i'm rocking him to sleep was anxiety provoking imagine how anxiety provoking it was for me to actually leave for an entire day of work and so it came up a lot it came up a lot i was driving like 30 minutes on my work break 30 minutes to go home. I would spend like an hour or two with him. I have no idea how I got away with it, but it was totally anxiety driven. It was totally guilt driven. It was fear driven. Another 30 minutes to drive back to work only to leave early. And I wasn't my best. I was just really struggling. And there were lots of other things too. Just even when I was at work, it was this constant fear that I, again, was doing things that were going to lead to this epic guilt and this uncomfortable feeling that I couldn't possibly handle. And then it transformed into so many other ways, so many other difficulties, but it was really hard. And especially for me, there was so much stigma, like to be an OCD therapist and to be struggling with OCD. It might be a little bit more acceptable now, just with the modernization of social media and therapists being a little bit more open and stuff like that. But five or six years ago, that was not the case. I remember being an OCD therapist and if I had so much as a to-do list, like a little to-do list personally for myself, other therapists would come up to me and they would say, make sure your residents don't see you doing that. If we would wash our hands after the bathroom or if we would use hand sanitizer or anything or if we would ask a question, therapists would always give me shit about, well, make sure your clients don't see you doing that. Make sure your residents don't see you doing that. And so then there's me, right? I'm super struggling with postpartum OCD. I am in the thick of it. I literally could be a resident at that point where I'm actually trying to work. And so I felt so much stigma and so much shame and just this like ultimate imposter syndrome. So let's talk about the stigma a little bit. So stigma in general, not even talking about the workplace, although certainly in the workplace, stigma just plays a huge role in the daily lives of people who have OCD. It's difficult to be honest about our symptoms. It's difficult to open up about our symptoms, especially the more taboo symptoms. And there's just such a misconception about what OCD is, what it isn't, and how all of these things can really impact a person's professional reputation. So it's really important to just understand that's part of it and sometimes we can get into the habit of hiding symptoms to avoid being labeled or avoid being misunderstood. And the energy just like mentally and physically that goes into that is really daunting and just really exhausting. If any of this is resonating with you right now, then you need to check out the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint. The OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint is my no-holds-barred, real talk, three-part course for action takers who want to gain control over their OCD and anxiety and take their freaking life back. It is truly recovery like you've never seen before. I made this OCD and anxiety recovery blueprints because I was sick of the same old vanilla recycled mental health content on social media, on the internet. And I wanted to raise the bar. I wanted to create a world where people could recover for good, with or without a therapist. So the OCD and anxiety recovery blueprints, you could get it all together. It's over 100 videos, over 35 hours of content, but you could also get one of its three courses. So we have the foundation, which is level one. This is where you will lay the groundwork for your recovery journey and truly step into your therapist role and realize ultimately how simple all of this can be when you commit to the process. Then level two, we have the transformation. This is where you would learn how to prevent rituals, including mental compulsions, dismantling all those other compulsions that really, really trouble you. You will come to understand that behaviors and mental compulsions are yours to control and never the other way around. Then we have the end game. This is where you will bulletproof your recovery no matter what exposures or challenges cross your path. I want you to take your life back into your own hands so OCD has nothing against you. If you want to learn more about the OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint, just go to www.jennaoverbottlpc.com blueprint, or head to the link in my show notes. I don't do vanilla. I don't do what's your subtype. I rip open the freaking curtains and take you into the inner workings of my mind and education so you can know this as well as I do. So again, to learn more about the blueprint, go to www.jennaoverbottlpc.com blueprint, or head to the show notes and click the link below. So it leads us to this question of, do I share my OCD diagnosis? Do I share my struggles or do I not? Whether that's with coworkers or whether that's with your employer. So it's a dilemma as to whether or not you disclose it. And it's a personal, 100% personal decision. There's no right or wrong way to do it. So there's no whether you should or whether you shouldn't. And there's no right way of how to go about it. It is completely up to you. And so you really have to manage and weigh the pros and cons. So some pros of sharing your diagnosis or your difficulties with coworkers or your employer is that you might receive some additional support, maybe some additional understanding and potentially bonding over others who might have similar experiences. How often have we you know, actually come out a little bit with some of our difficulties only to have other people in a really great way say, oh my gosh, me too. I didn't even know that was a thing. I struggle with that too. And then we've just contributed positively to their experience. And I know that can feel really good. You might also be able to open up the conversation for some accommodations, which is a touchy subject for me. I will get into that in just a second. But some cons obviously are that stigma and that judgment, that misunderstanding, or being seen as less capable in some form or fashion, which I know doesn't feel good for any of us. It definitely didn't feel good to me. So when it comes to in the workplace, day-to-day, you're at the workplace, you're getting ready for work, doing the things that you need to do. It really brings up some unique challenges of how to manage OCD symptoms and how to manage your rituals while you're on the job. So some ways and some strategies to leverage this is to make sure that you are planning in advance. I would always try to plan in advance when I wasn't in the moment or wasn't in the trenches. What is going to make me anxious? What is maybe going to be difficult for me? and how can I plan accordingly not to avoid it, but how can I plan accordingly to do things that are challenging but manageable for me? So it wasn't finding ways around the difficult thing. It was preparing myself for the difficult thing and making sure that I was calling the shots and not my OCD. So also another tip is to just try to find ways that you can maybe mess with OCD's pattern a little bit. So you're never gonna see me like put a stamp of approval on giving OCD exactly what it wants when it wants it and just giving into OCD 100%. I would 100% for your benefit and for future you consider ways that you can reduce your rituals, consider ways that you can postpone some of your rituals, consider ways that you can just undo or maybe just mess with the pattern of some of your rituals. So doing those rituals at work, I know it's tempting to just do it because you got to do the job and it's tempting to just do the ritual because you got to do what you got to do. But that just really, it gets you through that moment, but it just makes it so much worse in the long run. So really making sure that you are Staying diligent with your ritual prevention practice and planning in advance for those difficulties. Now, let's circle back and talk about accommodations and rights. So, when it comes to your rights, and this is not like legal information, so don't take it to that level, but you do have rights. When it comes to your mental health condition, you do have rights and you do have the ability to ask for certain things within reason. And your employer, within reason, is expected and they are they need to be able to meet you where you're at. And so when it comes to accommodations, however, accommodations, just as it relates to OCD in general, we know, and or you should know, or maybe you need to go back and read another article about this, or I have tons of other podcasts about it, other blogs, so on and so forth, but accommodations are not great. So Accommodations are like any way that a family member or a loved one, or even in this situation, an employer or a coworker kind of negotiate or make things easier for your OCD. So, a, a basic, straightforward example would be not everybody wears gloves during this process, but we're going to allow this person the accommodation of wearing gloves during this process because of their OCD. And so, what that does is yes, it Meet meets them where they're at and it allows the person to be able to get through the job and it's making way for their mental health condition. But what do we know about OCD? We know that when we give into those accommodations, when we give into those rituals, it actually just makes everything worse for next time. And so as much as I'm all for people advocating for themselves and asking for accommodations if and when they need it, I need you guys to be wary of the fact that those accommodations could be contributing to actually making you worse. The best way and really the only way that I will sign off on an accommodation for any of my clients is if they're being used as a crutch. And what are crutches used for? They're used so that you can get stronger while you're not able to do 100%. And then the intention of a crutch is that you eventually get off of it. The intention of a crutch is not that you have that crutch forever. So if I sign off on an accommodation for somebody like for school or whatever, My intention is always that, okay, we have a plan to get over that. We have a plan. Maybe we're starting with this accommodation. I will meet with the person and we'll come up with an idea and an agreement together of, okay, within this many weeks, this is where we plan on being. And it's agreed upon immediately that we don't intend on having that accommodation forever, that we are already actively working on trying to get out of that and needing that accommodation. When it comes to navigating work relationships, obviously, this can be a good thing or a bad thing. Back to the stigma, back to the potential judgments, and you might get some questions. You might get some questions or some inappropriate comments like, oh my gosh, don't we all have a little bit of OCD? Or, oh yeah, I have that too. Just be prepared for it. You can't help what other people say. You can't help other people, but you are responsible for how you handle it. So, how you want to handle that, as far as some gentle and assertive education if you just want to let it go, which is also totally fine. Just make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do to make sure that you feel okay moving forward. And then finding support. Obviously, it's super important to find support outside of work. So making sure that you are, if that's therapy or if that's some self-help stuff, I have tons of resources on that as far as my digital courses and so on and so forth. Supported group, Support groups, trusted friends and family. Online communities and other resources are always a great thing to help keep you going despite having OCD in the workplace. So some other quick strategies and a wrap up here. It's not up to you to determine how other people respond, but it is up to you to advocate and just take responsibility for how you want the trajectory of your recovery to go. Two, accommodations. Be wary of them. Use them as a crutch. We don't want to rely on them forever. Make a plan to wean yourself off of those accommodations, but definitely advocate for them if necessary. You want to make a plan for these challenges with work in advance when you're not actually emotionally in the trenches and make a plan for messing with OCD's rituals some way. Don't make it this kind of thing that, okay, I can give into my rituals. I need to just give into my rituals because I got to get through work that's going to land you in some really hot water. So in general, guys, just making sure that you're understanding the importance of all this stuff, advocating for yourself, but know, too, that there's no right or wrong way to go about it. I can't tell you whether to share or whether not to share. I can't tell you how to go about saying it. So just I encourage you to think about it. Let it simmer. And you can do this. You are more than capable of navigating OCD despite being in the workplace. It can actually be a really great and awesome opportunity for you to leverage some of these strategies and actually put them into place during work, right? I know it's super cliche, but thinking of these things that are challenging as opportunities. So if you need some more help with this, we have tons of things coming up. We have tons of things going on as always, but I would love to redirect you to the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint. So this is something that if you don't have access to a therapist or If you feel like you've tried therapy, but it's just not been working for you, the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint is amazing. It is my self-paced digital course that has three individual courses within it, the foundation, the transformation, and the end game for whatever place you are in your journey. So if you have any questions about that, let me know. You can reach out to me at hello at jennaoverbaughlpc.com. You can also go to my website. All the information is there, or we will also make sure that we have all the information in the show notes for you. Whether you're heading to work, whether you're just getting off of work, or whether you're dreading having to go back to work, know that I'm here for you. There are tons of resources available, and I cannot wait to hear how this is all going for you. Feel free to reach out to me. Let me know what you guys think. And in the meanwhile, guys, I'm your host, Jenna, and keep doing all the hard things. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.JennaOverbaughLPC.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at Jenna.Overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, You can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.